There is a podcast for everyone out there, but from the viewpoint of the male executive assistant, not so much. So here we go. Hello, ladies and hello, gentlemen. Welcome. I'm your host, Jonathan Brickwood, and I've been an assistant for more than 20 years. Being a man in what is decidedly a role filled by women has put me in some insightful, some hilarious, and certainly some very unique situations. During this podcast, I plan to share many of those experiences, as well as some of the tips and tricks and the do's and the don'ts that I've learned over the years, which is my way to bring a new perspective on an old profession. Whether you are a receptionist, a secretary, an executive assistant, somewhere above, below, or in between, retired, starting out, or mid-career, I hope that you find some enjoyment and something interesting from my ramblings. So please join me, ladies, and of course the gentlemen, as I bring you into my world, the world of the male admin, on my podcast, Hello Ladies, Perspectives from a Male Admin. Welcome, and of course, welcome back. I'm Jonathan Brickwood, and this is episode six of the podcast, Hello Ladies, Perspectives from a Male Admin. Thank you for joining me on this journey, and as always, thank you for your support. On this week's episode, Requiescat in Pace, I'll be dealing with death. It is truly one of those topics and one of those duties which every admin should have a knowledge of and will hopefully never need to use that knowledge in a practical sense. I, however, am not so fortunate. I have had to use my knowledge on this subject several times. I have had a previous exec pass away. I have had a co-worker tragically die. And I have had to arrange condolences many times. I'm also going to spend a few minutes reflecting on the September 11th attacks on which date this podcast will release nearly 22 years later to the minute. Like the Challenger explosion, O.J. Simpson's Bronco chase, the death of Princess Diana, and the death of Queen Elizabeth II, everyone likely remembers where they were at that moment. On a lighter note, I will also be sharing a story about the time when I was given a most unexpected and unusual gift, and one which I still have. For my new listeners, thank you for joining me here. You can find this podcast hosted on Buzzsprout and available through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and TuneIn. New episodes of this podcast will release on Monday mornings, while videos will be posted on irregular schedules. Videos will be posted to Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, and a short video will always be available before the episode releases. You will find now in the description for this podcast that I now have a link tree for all of the places where you can find either the audio or the short videos. But now, without further introduction, here we go into my world, the world of the male admin. I start this week's episode with a remembrance. This episode will release the morning of September 11th, 2023. It was 22 years ago that the world changed when those planes flew into the World Trade Center towers in New York City, 
and the world knew not what was happening. More than two decades later, we still feel the impact of that day whenever we travel, walk through a downtown office tower or through a downtown at all, and look up into the sky, we all have some subtle memory of what happened that day. Some, though, experience it more than others. I didn't know anyone who died on that day, but over the years I have met many people who did know someone. A co-worker once told me that they were on the phone with a friend in the South Tower at the time the plane struck the North Tower. They said a hasty goodbye and promised to call each other once they knew what was going on. The friend never made it out of the South Tower. Another person I knew would not work in an office above the fifth floor. They didn't know anyone in either of the towers, but they had been working in one of the Toronto office towers on the 40th floor that day. When they had to evacuate down the stairs, it took them more than 30 minutes. They told me that no job was worth risking their life to spend a half hour in a death column to escape. So far as I know, they now exclusively work from home, well and far away from any of the tall towers. Another co-worker, his sister, had been born, lived, raised, and worked in New York City all the way up until that time, and had dreamed of working in Manhattan. She had just started a job at Seven World Trade Center a few months before. She was on the subway when the first plane struck and had to evacuate through the tunnels. She emerged into the dust of the collapsed North Tower. She transferred to Chicago several months later, and she never set foot in New York again. The theory of six degrees of separation almost guarantees that everyone knows someone who was directly impacted by the events of September 11th, 2001. Myself, obviously, is included in that. Not to trivialize the tragedy, but the impact on my life was relatively minor compared to those co-workers' lives who I mentioned. Interestingly, from an administrative perspective, is where I see the most change. One of the most notable things that came from that day, which I discovered many years later, was that organizations developed catastrophic event planning committees, and in one case they termed it the Red Binder. These are the succession planning committees, the contingency plans, and all other planning that would be implemented in the event of a catastrophic emergency. Much like, as I like to describe, how for the United States President's State of the Union address, a cabinet secretary does not attend. The designated survivor remains behind in case anything happens to those in attendance at the State of the Union. For anyone who has read Tom Clancy, I draw your attention to executive decisions where Jack Ryan becomes president. For these committees, they did exist in some way before 9-11, but after 9-11, their importance and their impact was significant. The plans that they developed, the scenarios that they kept, would include scenarios where all executives would, in one term, become unavailable. Leave it to the continuity of business planning departments to develop scenarios where every senior executive would perish, 
but still somehow find a way to keep the business running. As an admin, I did take slight offense that they didn't factor us into those scenarios. On the topic of dealing with death as an admin, I start with a topic near to me, the death of your exec. While I no longer supported this particular executive when he died, I knew and still know his admin from that time. He was a wonderful man. He gave me my first truly trusted admin role. And what always struck me was he was a very tall man standing nearly seven feet. To my embarrassment, and this is something I crop up to my youth and inexperience, as uh, Reagan once said, and because my hindsight is 2020, I remember his height particularly well because I was once talking to him in the men's washroom over the top of the toilet stalls, which he towered over when he stood, and we could still look at each other eye to eye, him up and me down. It is not one of my prouder moments, but he was gracious and he never said anything to me about it and even continued the conversation while he was in the washroom. Though it's still embarrassing for me when I look back on it, I wanted to add this as an emphasis on his kind nature, especially to an early 20-year-old kid who barely, who he barely knew and probably only accepted at that time anyway, because I was friends with his then admin. I would eventually serve as his admin for several months when his executive assistant would be on leave, and I kept in touch with him for several years following my transition into another role. In fact, he was once my reference for a position, and he gave me a reference letter, one that I still have. I learned of his illness and aggressive spinal cancer from my friend years later. He went from diagnosis to death in about four months. Keeping emotions in check when someone around you dies is never easy. When it's a loved one, a family member, a pet, people can understand how you can be impacted because that is something that they are able to connect to. But when it's not a loved one, when it is someone who effectively constitutes a coworker and you have that same emotional reaction, People have a difficult time understanding why the impact is the way that it is. When you spend hours upon hours and days upon days with a single person, and a lot of cases know more about their life than sometimes their family, the executive administrative assistant executive assistant relationship has a lot of similarities with your own family. I have three executives where I have had this relationship. My current executive is the first, one previous one who I've had dinner with many times since, and him. Learning that he had passed, and so quickly and tragically, it had an impact on me, and I had not expected it. I cried. And I'm not a crier. I'm half British, half German. The stiff upper lip tends to come out whenever I get emotional. Perhaps because he was so kind to me, or perhaps because he died young, in his early 40s, the same age that I am now. Or perhaps because I had never experienced the death of someone I knew up to that point. Whatever the reason was, I cried. I tell this story because I had to remind myself that it's okay to cry for someone others may not understand the reason for. 
death is never easy and everyone responds very differently. So I just wanted to say this. It's okay for you to grieve however you need to grieve. And hopefully you have a workplace that will let you do that in the way that you need to for you when you have to. I briefly returned to work for that company several years after his passing, and I was pleased to find that they had named one of the boardrooms for him. It was a small thing, but it was a very nice thing. There was a picture of him and a short bio on the wall of the room, and I would make sure to book it for meetings whenever I could. My next topic on dealing with death in this, as an admin is dealing with the death of a co-worker. About 10 years ago, a woman I knew quite well and who worked in the office across the hall from me was tragically killed when she was hit by a bus on her way to work. We'd gotten to know each other quite well, and I regularly conversed with her to get information on various things. She was the resident knowledge bank, and as such was in demand by a lot of people for procedural and mundane things about how the office worked. She'd been there for about two decades, if I remember correctly, and was well-known and liked around the office. The day she had passed, we'd learned of it around noon. Though tragically, everyone actually knew of her death well before that, we just didn't know that we did. The news that morning had consisted of a headline, Woman Killed by School Bus on Way to Work. That was her. She had been on the way to work and was crossing the street when she was struck by the bus and dragged a short distance. It made headlines in all the major Toronto news sites, especially since a few days earlier, the Toronto police had begun a pedestrian vehicle safety blitz. I was understandably shocked and saddened that she had met such a tragic end, but was especially shocked to learn that I had been discussing her death with another co-worker without even knowing that it was her. Since then, I've always been more cognizant of discussing tragic news at work, especially with co-workers, because you do not know if you might know who they are. The co-worker I had been discussing it with was much closer to her than I was. For him, he took it especially hard. He left work shortly after learning of the tragedy and took the next day as a leave. Her executive, as well as many of the company staff, attended her funeral or attended the visitation. The company paid tribute to her at the annual staff event, which was a simple affair, simply recognizing her service at the company and holding a moment of silence. I do not think I'm alone in saying that everyone, admin, executive, staff, keeps on their computer or at their desk a folder containing all the important information someone would need to be able to jump in and find the files should something happen to you unexpectedly. For me, I had called that my IIGHBAB file, my if I get hit by a bus file. I no longer call my file that. My final topic on dealing with death as an admin focuses on the making of the arrangements. This was told to me by a friend and fellow admin who is executive assistant to a vice president who tragically passed away in a car accident. The VP was very well liked by the company, having made their way up the ranks over the course of 15 years. Known for being a personable and jovial person, he was the unofficial social coordinator for the company. His admin, my friend, 
was a big part of making sure those events went off without a hitch. When the company announced his passing, there was a near-unanimous call for some type of a memorial service. At first, the senior ranks were resistant to this, but eventually they relented. It fell to the VP's former social team and, to his admin, to organize that memorial. True to the memory of the VP, the social was a grand affair for the company, nearly at the scale of the annual Christmas parties that he'd arranged. I take this story as an example of how admins are sometimes called on to step in in unusual or uncomfortable situations. My friend the admin had been this VP's executive assistant for almost five years at this point. The whole time that they had been the VP, she had been by his side. She was looked on as being VP adjacent and the natural person to take the lead of the event, as she had done so many times for him. This time, though, she did so without his direction, but having known him so well as she had, she was more than capable of molding an event worthy of his memory. This, though, is the only time I know where a company held such a type of remembrance for a lost executive. If any of my listeners have known of any comparable events at companies that you've worked for, please, I would be interested to know. All of my contact details can be found through my link tree. On a lighter note, I would like to tell the story of how, even though things that we do as admins may seem to us small and routine and relatively inconsequential, to others, especially those that we help, these small things can mean the world. When I worked for the government, I was the assistant to a legislative committee. That role was part facilitator, part administrator, and part frequently asked questions responder. One of the most common questions was how the system worked, or more particularly, how to send information or written submissions to the committee to be considered by the members when they would deliberate over certain issues. One particular year, there was a matter under consideration several times. It was, to some, a very significant matter. It was also something that had come before the committee several times in the past, but had never actually been deliberated. This matter concerned the grandparents' access rights to their grandchildren. I would get a call about every six weeks or so from a lovely pair of grandparents who were petitioning hard for the committee to begin active deliberation and affirmative passage of the matter. I would spend upwards of 15 or 20 minutes talking with them each time and explaining the status of the matter, where it stood in terms of being deliberated, and giving them realistic realistic expectations on when, or more precisely if, the matter would become discussed. They were resigned to be patient, hoping that the matter would one day be resolved in a favorable way. These calls would go on for several years, up to the point even when I was no longer responsible for the administration of that committee, that they would ask for me by name to get an update on the matter. It was around this time that when they came to drop off a paper submission for consideration, yes, they hand-delivered all of their submissions, that along with the paper submission was a small decorative box addressed to me. Inside that box was a note thanking me for all my help in guiding them through the bureaucracy And along with that note was a knight in shining armor 
riding atop a mounted steed. For years, that knight and steed took pride of place on my desk. It now resides carefully inside its original box, waiting for me to once again have an office and an in-office permanent desk. I kept that knight on my desk to remind me of two things. First, that everyone should get the assistance that they need, even if to you it seems a very simple thing. And second, that no matter how small or inconsequential you may consider that thing that you do to help someone else, the one you're helping may find it to be the difference between frustration and clarity. Ever since then, I have always taken any and all requests that may seem small and just given them the same attention and dedication I apply to arranging an off-site because you just never know when what you do might just make you someone else's knight in shining armor. Before I conclude this week's episode, I have decided to begin including a new weekly feature. Starting this episode, I will highlight an admin in the media. There are plenty of us out there, and many that people know in the media without even realizing it. So I am going to take this time to briefly highlight some of the ones that I saw growing up and some of the ones that are in the media now. And just as a point of note, this idea and this concept was suggested to me by a really good friend of mine. The inaugural admin in this week's Admin and Media I'm featuring is Bernard Woolley. Now, who, pray tell, is Bernard Woolley? Well, connecting him into last week's mini-monotone audio drama, Bernard Woolley was the Principal Private Secretary to Jim Hacker, MP, the Minister of Administrative Affairs, on the show Yes Minister. And he was then Principal Private Secretary to Jim Hacker, Prime Minister, in the sequel Yes Prime Minister. Bernard Woolley was portrayed by Derek Folds, who would later go on to play Oscar Blaketon in the British program Heartbeat. Bernard Woolley was somewhat pedantic and somewhat tortured. He was the secretary, which I put in quotes, who ably assisted the minister in navigating the red tape-filled world of government bureaucracy amid the constant obfuscation of the permanent secretary to the ministry, Sir Humphrey Appleby. As was so interestingly put in the first episode when the minister asked Sir Humphrey, if you can all type... His response was, no minister, Mrs. Mackay types, she's the secretary. His is one of the first portrayals of an assistant that I remember from an equally enjoyable TV show. Bernard Woolley was my entrance into three things. First, that a man could be an assistant. Second, British sitcoms. And third, politics. We've now reached the end of episode six, and I would like to thank you all for joining me this week, or for my returning listeners joining me again this week. As I wrap up, I just want to make two mentions about anniversaries having happened last week. This past Friday, the 8th of September, was the one-year anniversary of the death of Queen Elizabeth II, or more properly termed, the demise of the crown. As I think I mentioned previously, and to those who know me well, I am a monarchist, which is different from a royalist, and are two very separate topics, and very divergent topics, 
from my normal subjects, but I may one day do an episode on the difference between the two. In the memory of Her Majesty the Queen, I say simply, requiescat in pace, regina mortua est, we wet, rex. The other anniversary which occurred this past Friday was Star Trek Day. The original Star Trek series first broadcast on the 8th of September 1966. Picked up by Desilu Studios, the studio founded by Lucille Ball to carry their sitcom, Star Trek changed the way science fiction television was viewed. It spawned multiple series, movies, animated shows, stories, novels, fan fiction, and made household names of more than two dozen actors. My father, somewhat to his dismay, got me into Star Trek. He was an avid watcher of Star Trek The Next Generation on its original run, and it was the one show a week that he got to pick. While I initially never had an interest or desire to watch the show, one day he was watching an episode that took place almost entirely with an engineering slant, and from that day on, I was hooked. It culminated in watching five episodes on a Thursday across different channels. And now, an avid fan of Star Trek Picard, I will always fall back on my two favorites, Star Trek The Next Generation, and the only series from Star Trek that I watched from pilot to finale as it aired, Star Trek Voyager. Now, having reached the end of this week's episode... I hope that you haven't found the topic of death too difficult or distasteful to listen to. It is never an easy one, and when you are an admin, you have a very unique perspective on its impact to others that others may never quite understand. This is why I thought it was important to touch on. That being said, I would especially like to thank you for joining me for this week's episode, and I hope that I will have the pleasure of having you join me again. Next week, on episode 7, I will talk about trust and technology, leaning into the Star Trek inclinations. Trusting in your technology is an important part of the job, and knowing that everything will work the way you need it to is a nerve-wracking inducing exercise. There is also the trust between the admin and the executive, which I touched on briefly in a previous episode, but will tackle again from the perspective of technology. I would like to thank my dedicated listeners for your support, and I plan to begin doing some special exclusive content for you all in the coming weeks. But first I have to figure out what that content might be, and how to make it exclusive to my listeners. A Patreon, of course, may be on the horizon, but a private YouTube link might be more reasonable at this stage, at least until I have some more listeners. So, until next time... Have a great week. I'm Jonathan Brickwood, and this has been the perspective of a male admin.